Welcome to Cowboy Ed Radio. Today's adventure is going to be just a good old sit around the fire and discuss what's been happening in the educational frontier or prairie or blowing through the snow in the sagebrush. I don't, I, I don't know exactly where we're sitting, but we're sitting somewhere. So how are you, Joe? James, I'm doing well. Uh, ready to, to light that fire to keep us warm out here on the open prairie. And Maya, where, how's that weather treating you? Yeah, doing well. Loving the, the breeze. I'll call it a breeze. It's all in the mind, right? Nice Wyoming wind. Exactly. It is a breeze. It's like an ocean breeze. So today, as we're, as we're sitting around and the, the smoke is billowing up and we're trying to stay warm, there's lots of different tools and lots of different things out there that can help teachers. And one of those things that has been around for a while, uh, but definitely got pushed to the forefront of schools um, thinking and students thinking over the last year with COVID issues, uh, different LMS systems. And so thinking about Google and Google Classroom, if you will, and the Google suite of tools and Canvas and some of those tools, uh, it, it makes for an interesting conversation on not necessarily what what is the best tool, because the best tool is the one that fits what you need. How are, how are these tools changing education? And, and maybe are they changing education? Are they actually making education better? Or are they just another gadget added to ed education? So anyway, uh, we're, we're going we're gonna to wander through this conversation and just kind of curious as where we all stand on. So I've, I've used Google and Canvas. And I know at the college level, you guys use Canvas a lot. Is what, What's your experience with Canvas? Well, I've taught online a really long time. And so Canvas has been the go-to tool to, you know, have that environment for online. And, you know, we don't, we don't have a choice. You know, when the university used Blackboard, I used Blackboard. When it switched to Canvas, I used Canvas. And you just have to adapt to that shell. But you brought up a really good point about the tools and, you know, the system that, that houses all of that. And I think that that's a really big distinction to make in this conversation because, you know, we don't really have a choice of that container oftentimes, right? The school or the university is going to pick whatever system we're going to use, but the way we manage it and the tools that we choose to use within that system, I think really kind of make that learning environment. Yeah, I could follow up with that, Maya. I totally agree. Uh, Typically, we don't have that choice. I started out on Moodle, uh, used Blackboard here and there, uh, and now I'm using Canvas and have been using Canvas. I've used Sakai as well. I don't even know if you've heard of that. That was an open source disaster down a long, dark train tunnel. <laughs> but A while ago, yeah. Yeah. Um, so, you know, we, we never get that. We never get that uh, choice in what we use, but I agree with you. It's, it's all in how you use it. You know, when I first started using uh, these online platforms, uh, you know, I was grade book only. Uh, I threw out a couple announcements, things like that. But, but now I, you know, I dig into everything and I try to see what integrates well, what doesn't integrate. And, and I, I always look at it as, you know, if this isn't making my life easier as an educator, if it's not supporting the learning of the students in a better way, 
then I'm not sure I want to use it as far as the the gadgets and and whatnot that can go with it. I don't know, James. You got a favorite gadget that goes with these things? This term gadget is a scary term because we've done a lot of gadgetizing to education. Uh, what's the next easiest fix? And and I don't I don't want to to bring up any specific tools and have have any any people haunting us online about the tool because it's never about the tool and, and the tool is never going to fix education and the tool itself is never going to necessarily make education better either. Uh, the, the users of the tool are, are going to improve and make education more valuable. And, and that is one of those pieces in my experience, in my, in my 20 years in education, it seems like we, we just continue to see this repeated problem where the professional development, the integration, how can this be used in a way that isn't something we're doing because the college chose it or my school district chose it, or I'm being told to use it, that, wow, this, this tool has some amazing value. So let's, let's talk about Google and Canvas just in this context for, for a few minutes. How does it actually improve education? How does it actually improve the education opportunity or experience for students? Because that's what we're here for. So Maya, how about you? What, how do you, do you see it as, what are some concrete ways that it improves education for students? Well, I think that, you know, with Canvas, we think currently about that shift to online and everyone having to connect with students remotely. But I think that organizing your curriculum within Google or Canvas or Moodle or whatever it is in a way that they can access it whenever they need to is a really great idea. And even, you know, I'm the tech person, so I'm always like looking to integrate the technology. But even when I teach face-to-face, -face, I have a full-blown Canvas shell that has all of the curriculum and the materials and the assignments and, you know, links to readings and videos and you know anything that I might use in my classroom in that live setting is also on canvas and so it's a container that holds that full curriculum for the class and I make it really transparent for the students um, so they have that access and what I think one value of that is is that just-in-time access on their part Right. So they can review something or if they, you know, miss a day of class, they can get to whatever we covered. And then I think, you know, that second value is what you choose to put in there and how you derive that curriculum with the technology tools. And, you know, that I think is a whole different story about how to, you know, integrate the tech in meaningful ways. But if we're talking, you know, LMS specifically, I think it's about that you know, curation of materials and constant access for the students. I don't know, Joe, how do you use it? You probably do a little different thing. No, no, no. I, I and I just want to kind of, you know, second what you're saying, you know, um, you know, back in the day when I first started teaching, we had these thing called absent folders and, and we put all the information for the student who was absent into the folder and it was a file folder. And we, we had to have a plan in our classroom management plan as to you know, where that absentee folder is gonna go in our classroom and how we're gonna update it and so on and so forth. Well, nowadays, you know, I, I'm with you. you know, I put everything in that uh, learning management system 
in an organized way. And if I, if I do that well, just what you said, I think the key word to what you said is transparency. Uh, I think kids really enjoy transparency. I think they want you know, to see what's going on as far as their learning. I think they want to be able to access different uh, types of information. You never know what kids are going to do. You know, some kids really love videos. Um, some kids are going to really love doing some readings. Uh, some kids are going to follow those supplementary materials uh, down a Google wormhole somewhere. But, you know, for me, I think, I think transparency, I think organization of classroom materials, I think that that can improve learning. And, you know, for uh, last point here, uh, you know, what, what are we trying to do? And, and especially as we build kids toward colleges, we want them to be self-regulated learners. We want them to be able to take charge of their own learning. And I've heard it from lots of great educators, voice and choice. Um, and I think a learning management system actually provides the platform uh, to, to supply that. I for totally agree with you. And one thing that came to mind as you were talking is that, you know, educators are asked to differentiate their instruction often. And you can do that through the learning management system um, pretty easily. Um, James, you're in K-12. How do you feel like it works that same way for you? Or what's your story about the value it might bring to your students? With, with this such a, a, a great conversation as it bounces around and, and talk about differentiating and, and truly technology and, and the LMS definitely allows teachers to differentiate in a way that, you know, without it, they really can't. But in in the in the K-12 world, it is because when you start to talk K-12, that's that's a huge gamut of students. So if we break that down into 9-12 versus 6 to 8 versus K to 6, then, then it, 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 it becomes a, a more probably valuable discussion. Uh, is it, is the LMS, is Google, is Canvas, is all these tools more valuable to a kindergartner or to a high school senior? And that, that becomes part of the, the other conversation, I think, with this. Because there is a value to a kindergarten parent and family and support network. But there's a different value to a senior who is getting ready to take that independent step to go on to whatever college or after high school looks like. And so as with a lot of things in education, the, the LMS, we, especially k we try to we try to plug it in as a one size fits all. And the, the LMS for kindergarten, first, second, third, um, how we build that with parents, build that with teachers, the value of that is drastically different. And it goes back to that professional development, that instruction, that maybe part of what we're teaching our teachers at college, how do we integrate and, and build these things? One of those things that I think both you guys will smile and laugh, you guys don't send home a lot of newsletters. I don't know why. I don't know why college professors don't send home newsletters with some nice pictures and, and maybe even some handwritten notes, but you guys just don't. But if you think back and, and we think about those elementary kiddos, that's still one of the favorite things. They send home those, those newsletters. Here's what's happening this week. Here's, so elementary teachers have been doing that for a while. So elementary teachers were using the concrete LMS to work with their parents. And then we wore the parents out. And by the time they get to middle school, they don't want to see us anymore. They just want their kid to pass and, and, and learn some things and not get in trouble. And then by high school, everybody's ready to move them on and hand them off to you guys. So we look at this process, how are we working that LMS and, and really helping teachers see the value and 
parents, teachers at each one of those levels, because it's not the same at each one of those levels. And so it, it brings up all this, this whole conversation about Google and Canvas and, and the other LMSs out there. They've been around for a while they, and, and there's value to them. And there was value to them 10 years ago. The bigger struggle is have we created the value within education to actually get that buy-in? Uh, because as we were visiting before, guys, I, I know that there are a fair amount of teachers that are just whew, the, the, the fire hose is pouring out on them and they're doing things in Canvas or Google or putting things online to simply get by, to simply get through COVID, to get through this issue we're facing and not necessarily understanding the value of it. And so I, I, how, how do we approach that? How do we really promote the value of all these 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 tools along the way. Well, James, I really like what you're saying about the trajectory of using the LMS, and it makes me wonder if we've worked with the teachers enough to to change that mindset about this type of technology as a tool for just education on a daily basis, or if we framed it in a way that an LMS is for remote learning only. And I don't know, I don't know what we've done. You know, from my own experience, I've used it for so long that I've integrated it into everything that I do because I like being able to curate those resources for students. And I don't know, honestly, I don't know how that I would teach without an LMS at this point, but I don't know that we have that mindset you know, on the broader educational landscape because we threw everyone into it who wasn't using one because of that emergency remote teaching. And now that we're switching into, you know, what is education gonna look like long-term? I don't know if we brought that mindset about the technology integration with us. So Maya, I think that's such a, a, an awesome way to look at it in the, just in the sense of, so it makes me think about two pieces. So how do we, and maybe this is what well, we just keep finding more topics. How do we actually change this mindset? Uh, when, when I start to think about the, the college kiddos that are coming through the education programs with you, they're obviously using an LMS. They're using Canvas or, or whatnot, but they're using Canvas at, at the university. Are they seeing the value of what that's going to do potentially in there? Is there classes on how to use integrating those LMS pieces in there. On the other end of the spectrum, when we start to think about our administrative teams, are, are, are the administrative teams evaluating or trying to coach or are coaches trying to coach teachers on simply using it or using it and understanding the value uh, in those administrative classes or what? I, wow, this just opens up a lot. And I, Joe is foaming at the mouth. What do you got for us, Joe? Yeah, I mean, two things there, James, you know, the first is, you know, and it goes back to we've had this conversation again, you know, are we as teachers doing things in the classroom, uh, just to appease administrators and and our administrators and, and, you know, departments of ed and so forth, and this is across the country, are they actually supplying the real tangible items that'll help Im that that teachers see as helping improve education? And then back to, you know, your first point, which is, you know, what are the actual digital skills that kids are learning in their teacher preparation program? You know, I, 
you know, I still hear of kids saying, well, I learned how to use Excel, and, you know, and, and their digital tool thing, or they learned all these different digital tools. But I mean, you know, I totally agree with you, you know, why aren't we having them create a class? Why aren't we having them, you know, integrate digital tools like a Google Classroom or whatnot into uh, their methods classes and so forth? Um, I think it takes uh, a fully integrated outlook on a teacher preparation program to have, have students, to have pre-service teachers come out and be teachers that are, that are uh, fluent in LMS um, and, and are able to use at least pieces of it to help support teaching and learning. Well, and Joe, you know, I, as we get new teachers in, the funniest thing, and you guys could probably appreciate this as much, we schools look to new teachers like, oh, they're gonna be an expert on technology. They're gonna be an expert on this. And the reality is, they're not, they're not necessarily that expert because a lot of programs aren't putting that, that training with them. So their training becomes part of the old guard, training them in the old ways, and we, we continue to create this rut. But you bring up such a great point. The value of an LMS, or, or it, no matter what the name, isn't just for students. It's also an, it valued for teachers that transparency to have parents part of that conversation and parents can see and be part of that as well. And so how do we, parents often look at the tech tools we put in front of kids as gadgets and those things. So getting parents to understand this is why we want you and your kid to understand Canvas or Google or be on those things. And then when they apply for a job and they go through those initial online trainings, they're ready they're ready for those online trainings because they've worked inside of a canvas. The programs may change those tools, but the brand, you know, it's not going to have to be the same, but the basic me mechanisms are going to be the same, whether you're applying for Amazon or you're working for Walmart or you're working at a, uh, a law firm, all those training pieces. I know for myself as a teacher, I go through all the safe school trainings, all in an online platform, all in some sort of LMS. So Maya, how are you going to fix this? Because I think uh, Joe and I are just going to hand it off to you to let you fix it. Thanks. Uh, it's totally my wheelhouse, but that's a little stressful to fix it. Um, I, gosh, I was thinking when you were talking about why don't we teach the LMS? And I'm like, well, I do, but we don't have that in our learning design and technology until the master's program. So the teachers are already out there teaching and they're coming back saying, I need more. And then we talk about LMS. And in the undergrad where they're preparing to go out and be those brand new teachers, we're really focused on the tools and the mindset about technology integration. And I think that's something that we need to reevaluate because of the changes in education, because of all of the online instruction that's happening. And, you know, we can't just keep trudging along doing the same old thing. We have to constantly be adapting. And I think teacher preparation, that's a big overhaul to constantly be changing and adapting. But if we want K-12 to be evolving, then teacher preparation has to be evolving as well. So I think that, you know, we, I'm not gonna take the responsibility for fixing everything, but I think to have those conversations and really you know, stay connected with that field where our students at the university are headed and going back and forth about the needs and um, 
the changes that are taking place, I think, is the conversation where we need to be focused so that we can adapt that curriculum. Well, Maya, I think you you bring up a lot, and uh, this conversation, the the not only the teaching, but how we teach is an ever changing evolution. And to be lifelong learners, uh, when we commit to becoming educators, we can't commit to the the same lesson plan for twenty years. We can't commit to the same material today in 2020, probably for more than a few years, because that's how fast the material is changing. And though the, the means and strategies we have to interact with kids is, is also continually changing in, in a lot of ways. And so, wow, we, the, the fire was raging and, and kept us warm for, for 20 minutes as we raged through this conversation and, and opened up more conversations. But we hope these conversations help you consider what we need to keep doing because every one of us got into this, not because of a content, not because of a tech tool. We got into this because we want to help kids and we want to change the world. So we're about to ride off, but we'll talk to you soon. Move them on. Head them up. Head them up. Move them on. Move them on. Head them up. Cowboy head. On the run.